Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and welcome to Back to the Bible Canada with Dr. John Newfeld. Continuing our series, God's Providence, today, we're going to turn in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, as Dr. Newfeld brings us a message entitled, According to the Purpose of His Will. Years ago, Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones saying, you can't always get what you want. Well, indeed you can't. I know they added, but if you try sometimes, you find you get what you need. Well, that's sure enough, that's the case. But many people don't know what they need. And, and furthermore, as Henry David Thoreau said, most men lead lives of quiet desperation and die with their songs still inside them. It's the tragedy of longing for something that never arrives ever. Ah, yes, the tragedy of unmet wants and needs. Solomon seems to stray into that very discussion when he said in Proverbs 13, verse 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. The reality of life is that we desire a great many things that don't come to pass. We, We don't always get what we want, but that's not so with God. God always gets what he wants. Psalm 115, verse 3 says, Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. No, not some of the things he pleases, but all. Psalm 115 contrasts God to the idols who have mouths but can't speak, and so forth. I mean, idols are impotent, but God is all-powerful, and what he desires always comes to pass. And Paul said something very similar in Ephesians 1, verse 11. There, Paul says that God accomplishes all things according to the counsel of his will. It's been pointed out that the word translated as accomplishes means that God works to bring about whatever his will desires. There's there's no shortage of power or wisdom in God so that he can fashion and shape everything to his desires. God's always successful in bringing about what he wants. We've been talking about the providence of God, and that means that God controls all things. And and I've been saying that God rules over all things so that at each moment in time, all things exist because God constantly causes them to exist. Were he to turn his face away, they would immediately cease to exist. But now I want to add a new thought about the providence of God. I, I want to say that God not only causes all things to exist, that is, moment by moment, I, I mean, I want to add to that that God causes all things to exist to fulfill the purpose of his will. Now, that should not be a new thought to many of us. According to Isaiah 43, verse 7, he created human beings for his glory. But beyond that basic reality, I want you, if you can, to try to remember all the things that God says he does for his glory or as an expression of just how great he is or to fulfill the purpose of his will. Where do we start? Well, let's start with the Psalms. Psalm 23, verse 2 says, He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Psalm 25, verse 11 says, For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Psalm 31, verse 3 says, For you are my rock and my fortress, and for your name's sake you lead me and guide me. Psalm 79, verse 9 says, Help us, O God of our salvation. Deliver us and atone for our sins for your name's sake. I mean, did you notice that in each one of those prayers, the the psalmist makes his plea recognizing that when God acts for his name's sake, he's, he's not only acting for his glory, But God will only do what he pleases or those things that fulfill his purposes. 
That's why when we pray, if we align our requests to his purposes, those prayers will always be answered with a yes. Well, the same is true in Isaiah. Isaiah 37 verse 35 says, For I defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. Well, the part about David is that God made a promise to David, and he would not break his promise to David lest God be found to be untrue. Well, Isaiah 48 verse 9 says, For my name's sake I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise I restrain it from you. And then just two verses later, in verse 11, we read, For my own sake, for my own sake I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. So, unlike us, God gets what he wants and is motivated by what he wants so that his name might be highly esteemed. So, in terms of God's providence, we might now say several things. We know that God rules over all things. I mean, we also know that God causes all things to exist moment by moment. But now we learn that God so directs all things according to his own purpose and his own design. So let's break that down into two categories. Let's begin by speaking about non-living things. Would that mean that God places, well, mountains and fertile valleys and trees and rivers and all things that exist according to his own purposes? Well, yeah, that's what he does. The arrangement of things is never an accident. It's a matter of God's purpose and design. Well, how do we know that's true? Well, listen to Psalm 135, verses 6 and 7. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does, in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all deeps. He it is who makes the clouds rise at the ends of the earth, who makes lightning for the rain and brings forth the wind from his storehouses. Well, translation, you don't like the weather? Well, blame God. He designs each day. Well, why? Because he does on each day the very thing he desires. Let me give you a little illustration of that. Years ago, and I remember this very clearly, but years ago, I was on my way to church. It was Sunday morning, and I would always leave the house early, and I would pray, and I'd steady my heart because I was going to preach the word that day. And it was winter, and I lived just outside of Vancouver. It rains most of the winter, but when it snows, even just a little bit, people in my city, well, they just panic. And a great many people are afraid to get into their car. I know. If you live in Calgary or Montreal, you laugh at Vancouverites, but that's how it is with us. And on that wintry day, it had snowed the night before, and I knew what that meant. Church attendance was really going to be down. And I was praying, but it was not a prayer of faith. I I was pouring out my complaint before God that morning. I said, I know why it snowed last night. You made it snow. And you knew that when you make it snow on Saturday night in Vancouver, no one shows up in church on Sunday morning. I mean, why can't you make it snow on Sunday night or Wednesday night or any other night? But for this winter, it seems that you only send snow on Saturday night. I mean, is it because there are too many people in church in Vancouver that that you send snow on Saturday night? Well, you get the idea. See, I understood God's providence, but I didn't like it. And then in my frustration, I thought I heard God's voice. Would you question my governance of the world and my ordering of the world that I have created for myself? For I sent this snow on Saturday night for my own sake, and would you be questioning me? Well, I became quiet. I thought, well, perhaps I need to do two things. I I need to repent, and then I, I need to commit to praising God for the snow rather than complaining. So listen to Psalm 104, verses 10 to 15. You make springs gush forth in the valleys. 
They flow between the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. Beside them the birds of the heavens dwell, and they sing among the branches. From your lofty abode you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. Do you notice when God orders his creation for his own good purposes, we are the beneficiaries of that blessing? The snow that fell to the earth that Saturday night was a part of God's ordering of the seasons that have created this fertile land in which we live that allows for seasons of rest and seasons of productivity, springtime for planting and fall for harvest. That's why one of the things that mature Christians do is that they begin to rejoice in God's wise ordering of the earth. His providence over the way in which the earth functions are reasons for worship. Rather than complaining that it rains too much or snows too much or it's too cold or it's too hot or it's too sunny or it's too cloudy or whatever we complain about in the day, why not see that each day is a day to view the hand of God who is actively arranging this day for his glory and for the purpose of his will. The weather is not an accident. It's a part of God's providential design. Job 37 verse 6 records Elihu as saying, For to the snow, he says, fall on the earth. Likewise to the downpour, his mighty downpour. Yes, it's God's snow and it's his rain. So let me ask you a question. Do you view the patterns of the weather as accidental or as a daily illustration of God's providence, his providential rulership of this earth? Perhaps it's time for you to consider your ways and your thoughts, for each day presents you with the works of God for that day. It is important for us to stop and to notice and then give glory to God and praise Him for His providence in the natural world. It, it's simply a fact that a part of our growth in holiness is to sing, This is my Father's world. We learn to marvel at the works of his hands and notice that he orders his world according to the purpose of his will. Want to be kept up to date on all the developments and behind the scenes of Back to the Bible Canada? Then be sure to sign up for our ministry update email. These monthly emails provide insights into what's new and what's forthcoming here at Back to the Bible Canada. Updates about the ministry's international efforts, new opportunities to share the good news spread around the globe. And you'll receive first word of exciting upcoming Bible resources, updates on upcoming events, things to celebrate, and exclusive five and five audio conversations between myself and a monthly guest offering inside looks at the ministry and plans moving forward. To sign up to receive the monthly ministry update email, visit us at backtothebible.ca or just give us a call at 1-800-663-2425. Let's move from the inanimate world to the world of living things. Did you know that Jesus spoke directly to this? 
Matthew 6:26 records him as saying, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Well, furthermore, Matthew 10:29 records him as saying, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your Father? And that's to say, the lifespan of even the smallest of creatures is subject to the eternal plan and commands of God. That's fascinating. A mayfly will live just one day. The average housefly, I understand, three days. The giant tortoise will live 170 years. And by the way, that's one of the reasons I won't get one as a pet. It will outlive my great-grandchildren. What a thing to pass down in your will. God arranges for the food of all of his creatures. He designs their properties. He oversees the unique circumstances that will govern their lives, even when the individual sparrow falls to the ground and dies. Now, I know many of us have become quite accustomed to believing that the cause of all things has to do with nature and a certain degree of randomness. But we need to begin as believers to distinguish the difference between an immediate cause and an ultimate cause. Think of it this way. The question of cause, well, that's a complex thing. Let's say your son hits a classmate. You take him aside and you're understandably upset and it's time to give him a lecture. You begin with a question, why did you do that? And you expect him to say, well, he was bugging me or he's been making me angry for some time now, all week, especially when he stole my apple out of my lunchbox or something like that. And then, as you know, you're going to give him different options as to how to handle his anger and how to handle injustice. But what if your son says, I hit him because a part of my creation is that I was made to experience emotions. It was a part of the Creator's design. Had I no capacity to experience emotions, this would, as you know, never have occurred. Well, what would you say to that? Well, why you might agree that every human being has the capacity to experience emotion and that it's a wonderful gift of God, that's definitely not what you wanted to talk about with your son. You might take on your parenting tone and you might say to your son, I don't want you to change the subject. You know exactly what I was asking you. And sure enough, your son did know. You were asking him the question of the immediate cause of his actions. But it's also true that your son behaves as he does because he was made in a certain fashion. And he is the subject of Adam's sin. And that the actions of his classmates are also under the sovereign control of God. There's a lot to think about. But might I suggest that you deal with a long-term ultimate question after you have thoroughly disciplined him? That would be my advice to you. But I use this illustration to get at a very important issue. Eventually or ultimately, all things are caused by God. Now, when I say that, some of you right now want to deal with a question of injustice or evil, maybe natural disasters. And and if you hang with me through the study, I'm going to face those important questions head on. But for today, let's limit our study to the physical causes of all things, including the falling of snow, the length of life of the fruit fly compared to an elephant. Yeah, we we might only talk about the immediate cause of things, but some theologians have called this the secondary cause of things. That's what scientific causes are all about. It examines only the immediate or secondary causes without asking the wider question of meaning and purpose and the role of the Creator. You know, some Bible teachers talk about a doctrine they call the doctrine of concurrence. 
That means that God directs all things or that he leads and guides all things along, including the pathway of a hummingbird and the movement of a reptile on a hot rock. God also works through all things so that all things bring about the results that he has determined. So it's entirely appropriate to ask the question of the ultimate cause of all things or the divine cause of all things or the purpose which the creator has put into all things that he has made. See, answers from Scripture may surprise us here. In Job 38, we read a part of a wider passage in which God is speaking to Job, and he's asking Job to answer questions. Now, the purpose of that exercise is so that Job would recognize the limits of his own wisdom and recognize the vast sum of God's wisdom. But, but let's listen in on to God's questioning. Job 38, verses 39 to 41. Can you hunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lions when they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in their thicket? Who provides for the ravens its prey when its young ones cry to God for help and wander about for lack of food? Are you surprised at that language? I wonder if you've seen television footage that shows a lion or maybe a cheetah or some other predator hunting down prey and, and then killing it. God says in this passage that it was he all along who satisfied their appetite. He both created this appetite and he satisfied it in the hunt. And the raven says, God, cry out to him for food. Now, now clearly that's, that's poetic language because ravens don't know God, but God says that their only hope for being fed comes from him. And then let's go forward to Job 39 verses 5 to 6. Who has let the wild donkey go free? Who has loosed the bonds of the swift donkey to whom I have given the arid plain for his home and the salt land for its dwelling place? And then on to more specifics in Job 39, 13 to 17. The wings of the ostrich wave proudly, but are they the pinions and plumage of love? For she leaves her eggs to the earth and lets them be warmed on the ground, forgetting that a foot may crush them and that the wild beasts may trample them. She deals cruelly with her young, as if they were not hers. Though her labor be in vain, yet she has no fear, because God has made her forget wisdom and given her no share in understanding. Listen, God says, the reason that ostriches are as dumb as they are is because it pleased him to make them exactly that way. I know, I know. You're ready to ask me what purpose he might have had in making them that way, and, and that's a good question. But let's not hurry too quickly to ask that question and forget that in providence, God is the cause of the ostrich's lack of sense. The ostrich puts his or her head in the sand when there is danger as if that will protect it. God designed this animal to act in that way. God designed sheep to be completely without any self-defense mechanisms. God designed leopards to hunt down prey and satisfy themselves with the flesh of wildebeests. And God designed the vultures to clean up carcasses that lie on the earth. I mean, all these things are his ideas, and all these creatures act as they do according to his eternal purposes. The earth is not the product of accidental chances but the product of the wisdom of one who made all things for his glory. I know you're still asking the question of why, and you'll also know that the Bible gives us no final answer to that question, but, but there are a lot of hints. 
For instance, Proverbs 6, 6-9. Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? You see, from ants, we learn the importance of industry. From ostriches, we learn how foolish it is to hide your head in the sand. From sheep, we learn how important it is to follow our shepherd. From snakes, we learn to be warned about deceit and death. God has in this world given us numerous illustrations of his grace, of his warnings, of his wisdom, and of his glory. While we might not understand all of this wisdom from the natural order, yet he uses the natural order to teach us of himself. In the end, the scriptures, which are God's final word to us, are wholly trustworthy. But the Bible was given to us in a world that God created, in a given geography, in a given history, in the context of the creation that he has made. The point of learning God's providence is to learn how deeply the Creator is involved both in the world and in our lives. So how foolish then when we only see his hand when there's a miracle. For his hand is daily, moment by moment, around us. Paul would go so far as to say that God speaks in the creation and that every single human being is without excuse. Yes, God always gets what he wants because he directs the properties of every created thing, both the living and the non-living things. He not only caused them to exist, he is responsible for their existence, but he also gives purpose to their existence. That's really true. All things are for his glory. John, today you're talking about animals, and I'm thinking, uh, you know, animals are there, and God is providential over them, and he's doing something, and something that impacts us and our understanding of ourselves, our understanding of who God is. Yeah, there's so much for us to consider when we consider the world that God has created and to gain a heart of wisdom. Now, clearly, I think we need to make sure that our questions are guided by Scripture. There are so many scriptural questions to ask about the world that we look at. So I I think that has to be the starting point. But I do think that we are called upon to look at the world that God has created and gain a heart of wisdom from that because God creates these things for his glory, but he also creates them for our good. And this wisdom that we gain in seeing God's hand in all things can help us to appreciate and to worship and to sing, This Is My Father's World. Thanks so much, John, and remember to join us here again tomorrow right here on Back to the Bible Canada, where we teach the Bible. In our society, the topic of money is often regarded as taboo. However, God in His Word certainly doesn't keep quiet on the matter and he's provided us with an abundance of financial direction. On that note, we're thrilled to offer you our newest resource, a short booklet called 10 Questions About Money Matters, based on Dr. John's audio series, God and Money. This booklet addresses 10 common money-related concerns from a biblical perspective, some insight to help better bring glory to God with our resources. Because we feel this topic is so important to your spiritual walk, We want to offer you this resource free for the whole month of August. So simply request your copy today, or if you'd like to offer a gift to support the ministry, 
Call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit us at backtothebible.ca.